Welcome to the Sci-Fi Podcast. Sci-Fi meaning psychological finance. And this is where we examine how we think, feel, and behave with money. Because after all, we have the information, we have the data, we have the numbers, we know what we must do. But how can we follow through with that knowing? So today's episode is going to focus on financial personalities. A lot of folks talk about wanting to budget or create a spend plan or start planning for retirement, finally clean up their credit report, do lots of wonderful things with their finances, but they do that blind and they don't understand their financial personality before they even jump into this. So understanding your financial personality involves understanding your personal values, your traits, your quirks, and are you moving in the direction towards the right stuff? So understanding that financial personality is going to help you. Now, if you're driving in your car, you can't do this, but you could do this later. Um, If you are not driving in your car and you'd like to pause this podcast so that you can take the five-minute financial personality test, the link is provided for you. But do not fear. You can go ahead and listen to the entire podcast, and then you'll find out which one you are before you even take the assessment. That's how powerful this instrument is. And it comes from Neiman Marcus Goldman Sachs. It was created collaboratively with the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator team. The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator being one of the most widely and effective, uh, re- effectively researched personality tests on the market still today. So with that, let's talk about the confident money manager. Here are your strengths if you are a confident money manager. Obviously, you know yourself, you're goal-driven. You are a big-picture person. You're usually up in the clouds, 10,000, 12,000 feet in the air, and you can see the forest. You can see from a bird's-eye view everything that's going on. Because of that, you tend to have a very detailed budget that keeps you in line. You're a long-term thinker and you are a wealth builder. You are my teacher's pet. When I have you in my office, when I have a confident money manager coming through just to ask questions, it's usually you're not there because of remedial need. You are there because you're wanting to learn more and you're wanting to educate yourself more on what you can do to better posture yourself for that wealth building process. And with that in mind, you are truly the millionaire next door. If you are following through with your values and you are doing all the things that you know that you need to be doing to get there. And one of those things that confident money managers are really good at is living at or below your means. You're not flashy. You don't seek those lifestyle assets that you truly can't afford. So wonderful strengths that you have and and obviously a natural financial leader. If you are married to a confident money manager like I am, consider yourself blessed. I am so thankful that I met my husband 
when I was at the tender age of 18, who was able to give me education and guidance and truly understand the financial world where I thought was actually out of my reach to even build wealth. But he had the tools and the resources available. Now, if you're not a confident money manager, please don't feel discouraged that you can't get to the behaviors associated with a confident money manager. We'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about a few other personalities. So there's this stick-to-itiveness with a confident money manager, this logical, rational thinking where they're practical, they maximize their contributions, maximize savings, and again, a certified financial planner and certified accountant's dream because they always do their homework. However, you have some challenges as well. I know that you might be shrieking or, you know, curling up on the inside and thinking, no, I have no vulnerabilities or challenges, but you do. Sometimes you do have a hard time allowing others to lead because you're constantly rewarded by your own independence. That's not a bad thing, but sometimes you have to allow your spouse to lead. Sometimes you have to allow your child to make those financial mistakes so that they can learn from those financial mistakes. Sometimes also you might be more impulsive rather than over-analytical. So sometimes because you are so confident with your decisions, you tend to make these impulsive decisions. So be careful with that. Moving on, we have the value-based planner. These are folks who tend to be retirement-driven because they have aligned their values with their retirement goals and their savings goals. Value-based planners often are moving in the direction towards the right stuff without even having to plan it because they're constantly thinking about what they value and how is their money going to help them work towards the end result of what they're looking for. And so again, that usually is in the form of retirement. I happen to be a value-based planner. And so with that, I'm all about relationships and connection. And so as a value-based planner, I want to spend more time with my family than at work. So I'm going to make decisions with my work hours and my income that will allow me that free time and quality time with my family. As well, value-based planners are charitable people. They're thinking long-term, not only about their value system, but how they can help other folks in the process. They're relationship builders, not necessarily wealth builders. Value-based planners are allowing their money to work for them in such a way that is going to build relationships. Wealth might come as a result of good, solid financial decisions, but that is not their primary goal. Instead of the millionaire next door, the value-based planner is the Mother Teresa next door. But with that, same strength comes a challenge because sometimes value-based planners have a hard time saying no, not only to themselves, but to other people. So sometimes these value-based planners have to learn how to set those financial boundaries. So if one, that they're not being taken advantage of by family members, friends, etc., 
people who are calling them, the police, firefighters, wanting charitable contributions. Sometimes you have to say no, and it's okay to say no. So keep that in mind. Another challenge of the value-based planner is that you tend to be an emotional decision maker. And listen, all 10 fingers are pointing right back at me right now. I'm constantly giving advice to clients that come in for financial counseling or financial therapy to set boundaries and to think logically. And I share how difficult that is as an emotional relationship-oriented person. It can be extremely painstaking, but even so, it is a choice. It can be done. So stay away from financial enmeshment with friends, family, and remember what that right stuff is for you. Remember those values. So another challenge of the value-based planner is the daily decision-making. You're not as confident as the confident money manager. You're not as impulsive, but it is more difficult for you to make those daily decisions and to create a spend plan or a budget um, that you're actually going to stick to. So keep that in mind. Doesn't mean that you can't. It just means that you have to keep in mind that this is an area where you struggle more and you keep a little eye on it. Financial boundaries we talked about, but I also want to remind you as a value-based planner that you have every right to vocalize your financial input. I'm married to a confident money manager, and because he's such an independent, strong financial leader, he's the true financial guru in our home, I still have the right to offer my own financial input and to disagree with something. So value-based planners sometimes have a tendency to shy away from causing any conflict in a relationship. If that's you and you wanna learn some tools on how to be more assertive, that's another thing I do here at Army Community Service as a financial readiness program manager is I can help you with those things. So. Value-based planners want to retire early to spend more time with friends and family. They're wanting to run this marathon with a buddy, not by themselves. If you're a value-based planner, stay the course. You can spend time on connection, vacations, and that type of thing and build those relationships. But remember to continue to save and move towards those retirement goals that you've set for yourselves. Short-term strategists. Now, this is somewhat the same concept as a confident money manager, but the personalities are a little different. The short-term strategist tends to be more research-driven, not necessarily goal-driven, but research-driven. They're flexible and very cautious. They too are wealth builders, but unlike the confident money manager, they're more cautious in their investment philosophy, whereas the confident money manager tends to be a little more moderate to aggressive in their investment philosophy. So for the short-term strategist, you do a lot of wonderful research out there and ensuring that you are hitting the best stocks, ensuring that you are appropriately assigning your TSP funds to either the C fund, the life cycle fund, probably steering clear of the C fund, but more so the life cycle fund would be more your cautious investment philosophy. But you are truly strategizing how to build wealth 
in the short term. So here are the challenges for a short-term strategist. Because you see the trees, whereas the confident money manager sees the forest, because you see the trees, you're more likely to get stuck in the weeds, getting stuck in the minutiae, getting stuck in the details. You're the type of person when you get your retirement statement, you're combing over it, which is very dangerous. On one hand, it's good to know where everything is going. And on the other hand, you don't want to blindsight yourself and create an unnecessary level of anxiety to where you're shying away from a wonderful investment opportunity. So the paradox here is that you are strategic, yet you're risk averse. Nothing wrong with that. But the downfalls of poor retirement planning is investing too late, investing too little, and investing too conservatively. So be very careful not to be too conservative with your investments. So there are missed opportunities because of that caution that you exhibit. But you can always think of it this way. As a short-term strategist, you do have fear of a better offer, what we call FOBO. And I bet your teenager knows that word. But you can steer clear of that by understanding that there will always be better offers. But you don't want to get stuck in this cycle of decision paralysis, which behavioral economics professors will tell you is one of the bigger downfalls of investing. You're so bombarded by choice that you just don't make a move because you're paralyzed with all the different decisions that are laid out before you or opportunities laid out before you. Just remember, you only have to engage in two or three things to have a diversified portfolio, and that's wonderful. But once you set it, forget it. Leave it alone. Don't look at those statements and just keep knowing that the economic cycle, it usually recovers itself. Uh, There will be times when you want to take that money out and put it somewhere else, but just stay the course. With this, I want to talk about the laid back balancer, the last one here on our list. Now, the laid back balancer is exactly how it sounds. You're more laid back, but you always find a way to balance. So your strengths are that you are balance driven. Listen, I envy the laid back balancer. You're the type of person who lives below your means to such a point where you might think to yourself, I don't need to keep up with the Joneses. All I need is a tiny house, a vehicle that works, can get me back and forth to work, and you just balance your money as it comes. Now, we'll talk about your challenges in just a moment, but one of the things I envy most about the laid-back balancer is that you tend to have an overall balanced world. Uh, You're good at saying no to people. Uh, You're good at living life in the moment. Carpe diem, baby, because tomorrow may never come. So that's a wonderful place psychologically 
to be, and remember, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I've seen several patients over my lifetime who don't know how to live in the moment and are quite anxious, but not you. You seize the day, seize the moment. So instead of being a a wealth builder, you are a life builder. And you are also very charitable, the type of person who would give your shirt off your back to someone who needs a little assistance. You are also very calculated in how you choose to live. You might also say to yourself, I don't need these lifestyle assets. And again, lifestyle assets are the the houses that we choose to buy. Sometimes we over uh, extend ourselves with a house that we really can't afford. It becomes a lifestyle asset where we're keeping up with the Joneses rather than following our true values or the type of car you choose to drive. So laid back balancers, keep on doing what you're doing. And you know what? Laid back balancers might also be the millionaire next door because they live so well below their means. When I did this class, and by the way, these classes are available via recording, and we'll make sure to have this available for you to click and watch the entire class. But I want you to know that in this slide of the laid back balancer, I have a piggy bank with some shades on lounging at the beach. That's how laid back they are, just to give you an emotional word picture or a visual. But here are the challenges of a laid back balancer. They are list averse, not very well organized. They think with their hearts and they make a lot of delayed decisions. They're usually the ones who procrastinate with savings if they're not careful. So know that about yourself. And none of these are either right or wrong. It's just simply information for you to keep in your back pocket as you listen to future podcasts so that you know yourself as you're thinking about how you're going to create your spend plan, how you're going to tweak it, how you're going to work within the framework of a relationship with your partner with finances. Knowing each other's financial personality will help you understand that. So I do want to make a point here about blind spots. Every one of us, you know, we all have our strengths and we all have our vulnerabilities, but we have blind spots. But that's not a problem because we usually choose a mate or a spouse Mm -hmm. who naturally covers those blind spots. Where I am weak, my husband is strong. Where I don't understand as a value-based planner, he gets it as a confident money manager. And the same with him. You know, because he's such a wealth builder, sometimes he forgets to have fun with the wealth that he has created. So I remind him gently that life is meant to be celebrated in the moment. And so we've gone on more family vacations recently, and he's now willing to drop a little more coin to enjoy life in the moment. So we all can learn from each other's financial personality. Again, not one is right over the other. And you might say, Olivia, well, I'm a confident money manager, but I still bust my budget every month. Or Olivia, I'm a laid back balancer, but I am more focused on lifestyle assets and I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. Well, that has nothing to do with your financial personality. That has everything to do with your financial maturity. So 
understand your financial personality, but when it comes to wanting to mold and develop yourself maturity-wise with your finances, reach out to me. Let's have a conversation. Maybe you need to come in for a session, or maybe I need to steer you towards a different referral. Either way, let me help you. And for the active duty service members out there, or anyone in uniform listening, please remember that mandatory touchpoint financial training is a new program, and marriage is a milestone that is considered a mandatory training. And I'll provide that link for you as well. And the reason I bring that up is because financial personalities, we get married, we don't understand each other, we don't know each other. It'd be great if you had the premarital financial counseling, but if you didn't, make sure you're taking that class first of all so you can get your credit and also so that you can understand each other more and grant each other more grace. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We look forward to listening to more.